Well, as you hopefully have gathered, <clears throat> this morning is Palm Sunday. This is the morning that we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem uh, on his way towards the cross, ultimately. Now, if you are like me and you grew up in the church, um, you probably were excited to come for Palm Sunday. You got the palm fronds. The kids came in maybe singing a song with the choir, waving the fronds. Then you went home and you came back a week later for Easter and you wore your pretty dress and maybe your big hat and there was an Easter bunny and eggs and um, Easter was just this really happy, joyful time with a parade and an Easter bunny. And that was kind of it. Because unfortunately, in the church, um, we tend to skip right over the week in between, Holy Week. And the irony of that um, is striking when we think about the fact that the primary symbol of the Christian church is the cross, the cross which happens on Friday. And so this morning, we wanted to make sure that we didn't skip over the cross. And so we've started with Palm Sunday, with the triumphal entry, with the parade, with the palm fronds. But from here, we're going to walk through the remainder of Holy Week. And so I have the opportunity now to kind of tell the story of what happens next. So that's kind of where we are going. So Jesus enters Jerusalem. There is a parade. The people sing Hosanna, welcome to the king as he comes. Uh, there's much rejoicing. They lay the palm fronds at his feet. They lay their, their coats at his feet. Jesus enters the city. And so you would expect from there what? Perhaps a huge reception at the palace, right? An epic meal, um, lots of wine flowing. But instead, what we see, if we continue reading in each of the different four gospel accounts, and the sequence of this is a little bit different depending on which one you read. But Jesus goes first to the temple, the place of worship. And he walks into the temple. And you might think, oh, he's coming for, for Passover. Maybe he's going to the temple to pray. And in one account, he does. He goes to the temple. He looks around. And then he goes home for the evening. But in another account, Jesus goes into the temple, and the first thing that he does is he clears the temple. He goes nuts. Because he walks in, and what he sees is this place that's supposed to be a place of worship has become a den of thieves, he says. There are people who are cheating folks that are coming to make their offerings by overcharging them for the animals that they are purchasing uh, and he is outraged to see that his father's house is being used for such unholy purposes. And so he turns over all of the tables, and he just creates havoc. Well, imagine that you are a religious leader, that you are one of the priests who works at the temple. Imagine how you might be feeling. You've just witnessed a parade honoring this person coming into the holy city, and the first thing he does is overturns everything that you hold sacred. How might you be feeling? Well, after Jesus does this, he begins to teach in the temple. And there are a couple parables that he tells. The first one is a parable of the wedding feast. 
And so he describes a great wedding banquet that has been carefully prepared. And the person who's hosting the banquet says, go. He sends his servants off to tell the invited guests that the banquet is ready. Come to the feast. And the parable goes that the servants go out to all of the invited guests, but the guests are simply too busy to be bothered to come. They, they're just not interested. And so the person hosting the feast tells the servants, well, go out into the streets then and find whoever you can find and bring them back. I want a full table. And so those servants go out and they pick up the riffraff off of the street corners, the unclean folks, the folks that the, that the priests and the Pharisees would be unclean to even touch. And in the story, all of those people are welcomed in and set before this amazing feast. How might the Pharisees and the teachers be feeling as they hear the story, recognizing that they are the ones who don't have a place at the table any longer? Well, Jesus goes on to tell the parable of the tenants. So there's a vineyard owner, and the vineyard owner says, let me see, I'm just going to read this. Jesus then began to speak. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. But they seized him. They beat him. They sent him away empty-handed. So then he sent another servant. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. So he sent still another, and that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, others they killed. So finally, he had only one left. He decided to send his son, whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, Surely they will respect my son. But the tenant said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him, they killed him, and they threw him out of the vineyard. And it says then that the chief priests, the teachers of the law, the elders, began to look for a way to arrest Jesus, because he, they knew that he had spoken that parable against them. So this is the great king that has been welcomed into the city with much rejoicing. He is not acting as the people expected. Well, it says then that Jesus goes to um, a meal, probably a meal with friends. He's reclining at the table, and a woman comes in, and she has this expensive bottle of perfume worth about a year's wages. And depending on which story you read, she, she breaks it and she pours it over Jesus' head or over his feet, well, the people that are at this meal are shocked at such wastefulness as they see it. What could be done if that had been sold and the money given to the poor? But Jesus looks at them and he's like, friends, you don't understand, do you? You have no idea what is unfolding here, and yet this woman gets it. She has come and she has anointed me for my burial, which is to come. Well, it's at the end of that meal that Judas Iscariot leaves. He goes to the priest, and he offers to betray Jesus, to give him over to them. Judas was a zealot, and so the zealots, 
They wanted to see a dramatic overthrow of the Roman government. And so to see Jesus talking about dying, this is the king who is supposed to overthrow the Roman government. What? And Judas gives up. This is not what's supposed to happen. And so he goes to the priest and he turns Jesus over. So that's Tuesday and Wednesday. And then we come to Thursday. Jesus looks to his disciples and he says, we're going to celebrate the Passover now. I need you to go and prepare the room where we're going to celebrate this meal together. And he sends a couple of his disciples off and he says, look for a man. He will have a room that's all ready for you. Go and prepare for the meal. And so his disciples go and they find the person just as they were told they would. And they are led up to an upstairs room. It's furnished and it's ready for them. And they lay out the meal. Well, that meal is the Last Supper that we celebrate each week. And so at this point in the service, we're going we're gonna to come to the table. We're going to reenact this last meal that Jesus celebrated with his disciples. And we know that from there, he then went to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he spent some anguished hours in prayer, desperately pleading with his father to not make him go to the cross, to suffer and die for us, for you and for me. And that ultimately, from that garden, he is arrested and led away, ultimately, to the cross. This is weighty, friends. This is the part that we don't like to dwell on, between the parade and the beautiful resurrection. But unless we sit in this place, the celebration of Easter means nothing. Jesus conquers, but he conquers on our behalf because of our sins that are nailed to that cross ultimately. So let's take this time this morning to sit in that discomfort so that we can truly celebrate what is to come.